What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Up in Flames. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy. It's been a month. I've been focused on field stormers, Jeff's college football playoff reaction show. See you Sunday, overreaction Monday. So as much as I took a break from Up in Flames, my voice has still been heard on a lot of topics, NFL, um, college football, a little bit of NBA. I've talked some NBA. Um, we'll get to that here on this show. On the next episode, we'll definitely be talking NBA, but today we're going to focus on Ohio State, the Pac-12, and some college football playoff theories, and I have a great guest in the building, and I will introduce him right after this. Warning, you are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah. We up in flames, we up in flames, we up in flames, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 we up in flames, yeah, yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah, woo. We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames. Once again, we are back with another episode of Up in Flames. Like I said, I am your host, Mo Murphy, and I promised you a special guest in the building. And here he is right next to me, my guy. The reason it all started, it's been a while. He's been an in and out. Um, obviously, I understand more than anybody, especially over at Off the Ball Network, as both of us are in the Navy. Rob Cruz, a.k.a. Cruz Island, host of Football and Chill Podcast co-host of Commanders in the Chat podcast, hosted C, uh, Overreaction Monday the other day, been doing a lot of work, seems like he's back, got plenty of time now, getting ready for the move. Rob, what's going on, bro? Yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, been busy last four, five, six months, been in and out, haven't really been able to do this, but now I have gotten a little bit of time, definitely going to have a lot more time in the near future for the next three years. Um, Yeah, it's been a busy week, definitely getting back into it. Uh, it felt really good to get back into it. We just talked before we went live. You know, there's a third day in our uh, third day in four, third time in four days that we've worked. You know, we've done something together, which it feels good. Be back. Your first uh, up in flames in a, in a minute. I'm glad I can I can be on it with you. Yeah. And like I said, you know, it's been a month since I've recorded up in flames, but I have not been gone from the podcasting world. Um, you know, before anybody, you know, go check out Phil Stormers. Hosted by myself and Walker Bailey, another contributor at Off the Ball Network. Uh, it's your weekly college football podcast. We'll be giving you that in the next day or two. Getting ready for Saturday's games and probably talk a little college football playoffs, but I'll more reference back to this episode. So while you're listening to that, you could go back and hear what I have to say on the college football playoff reactions. Obviously, this is the day after, but before we get into it, we're going to talk about my Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, I've, I think my guy Jay Stevens and my guy Jeff Hunt have rubbed off on me a little bit. I always seen, I was a fan who always seen the light at the end of the tunnel, would never be too negative about my Ohio State Buckeyes, but these past three weeks have taken me to a place evaluating Ohio State that I never thought I would see it. I always seen the positive. Well, a win's a win. Um, but now more than ever, it seems like it's national championship or bust. Obviously, it's 
a playoff or bust environment for Ohio State, Ohio State fans and Buckeye Nation winning the Big Ten, but coming off of a two-loss season and not being able to do that and having this elite, talented roster, bringing in Jim Knowles, uh, you know, a Heisman contender quarterback who could be the number one pick, not saying he will be. That's a conversation for another time. The loaded wide receivers, the elite offensive line we were supposed to have, the impact of Jim Knowles turning this defense around, which I think you've really seen through the first nine weeks that this defense has made a complete turnaround with the same personnel. Um, it just looks different. It looks elite. It's one of the top five defenses. But even still, I haven't been satisfied. And I know other fan bases are like, I wish I could feel the way you feel. I wish I could be undefeated more often than not and, and critique all these type of wins. But Northwestern is the game that did it for me. This is a team who hasn't won since the first game of the season. And their first win was in week zero when they were like the only matchup to really watch for like the casual college football fans. It was a Big Ten matchup against Nebraska played in Ireland. They have not won since then. They haven't really looked adequate since then. I know the weather played a factor. I understand that. But that's when Ohio State is supposed to be able to use Maya Williams, that offensive line, dominate, run the ball, run it down their throats. We've seen Maya Williams run for 150 yards and five touchdowns before. And I was expecting that kind of performance. And we did not get that. Um, so while I'm watching Ohio State, my takeaway so far is you watch them the first five weeks and there's a lot more positives than negatives to take away from the first five weeks. I think you may not fully love how they played, but you always seen the potential there. And you thought like, okay, we get to prove it against Iowa, one of the top defenses in the country. Then we'll get to prove it against Penn State, a quality opponent. I think they were ranked like number 11. Or I forget where they were ranked when we played them. Um, but they're now still a college football playoff ranked team. You see now they looked against Michigan. So you figured you were going to kind of dominate and take advantage of them for most of the game. And the problem with me for Ohio State, Rob, before I get your opinion on what you think Ohio State is, is every week we know we're like they left. They didn't leave it all out on the field. They have a ceiling and their ceiling is if they reach their highest potential where we evaluate all the talent that they have, this is the best team in the country. And we'll talk about it later where I think the committee feels that way. They had to put Georgia at number one after knocking off the number one team, and they are another team who looks like if they play with their ceiling, they're the best team in the country right along with Ohio State. But I think you haven't. they have not played their best game from start to finish yet. Under any circumstance, there's not a game where you're like, that is a national championship team, but you always go back and refer to Ohio State, and you're like, but they're ceiling, though. When they play their A-plus game, I don't see a team being able to beat them. But the problem is we haven't given that, and so when we talk about the floor of this team, Michigan's just as good, maybe even has played a little bit better up to this point because your floor is what you've given me. Michigan's probably is just as good, I would say, right now, maybe even has shown a little more dominance. Georgia is better right now. I'd question whether we would beat Tennessee. I think that would be a shootout, and it'd come down to the final possession of the game. Um, Oregon looks really adequate right now, even though they got blown out by Georgia since then. They look like a team. Now there's multiple teams in the equation that can play with Ohio State from what the production they've given you, not projecting what they look like if they play their A-plus game. So, Rob, for any of the Ohio State games that you were able to catch, what have you seen from Ohio State where 
you think I'm tripping or I'm being a little over-exaggerating about how I feel about my Buckeyes going into Week 10. I mean, other than the fact that they're 9-0, they haven't lost a game. This is the first game they look, I wouldn't even say bad in. They you look, even brought it up. You, you brought it up. The win, win is a factor. Like, you, you, it's hard to throw in those type of wins. It is. You know, so you rely, rely on your run game, which was non-existent. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Williams had 111 yards and two touchdowns. How many carries? He had 26 carries. And he also had, if you it, watching the game, he didn't get majority. Of his, he didn't get majority of his yards until late in the third in the fourth quarter. So it took him forever to get going, and he finally had some quality touches, which I'm not okay with. If we played like that against Michigan and went 21 to seven, I walk away satisfied. I don't walk away satisfied where it takes us till the fourth quarter to get going and show a, show an aspect of light against a Northwestern team that has not won a game since week zero. That's my problem. Here's what this game showed me: is that at the end of the day. Ohio State will find a way to get it done. Northwestern, for for the better part of the last decade, let's be honest, Northwestern, Northwestern has given teams problems in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, a couple scares, you know, in in with, like I said, within the last decade. Yeah. So I don't I don't dismiss anything that happened in that game. I think Ohio State is still one of the best teams of the country. Are they the second best team? In my opinion, no, because again, just like you said, Michigan has looked better against better competition. They, what we thought was a potential Big Ten championship, uh, Big Ten championship game uh, buster in Penn State, they, they made them look look elementary. Given it, and just like Ohio Ohio State with Northwestern, it took until in the second half for them to really pull away. But once once they got going, it was done. I think, again, I've said it to you. I've said it on Twitter. I think you have been very spoiled over the last 20 years. Yes, I'll, and so I will when, agree And so when, when your team, it's like if you if you got a girl, spends every second of every day waiting on you, gets you food, rubs your feet, gives you attention, lets you drink a beer, watch the game, and then one day, she has to stay late at work a little bit. Now you're just like, wait, hold on. Are you cheating on me? Like, what's going on? You just gotta take take a break. It can't all it can't all be about you sometimes. You know, I'm over here as a USC fan, three minutes into the game, thinking we're about to lose the cow. We go up by 21. I feel better. I go upstairs, make some food, come back. We're only up by seven. And then I'm my my anxiety's through the roof the rest of the game. Are they the best team in the country? No, I think Georgia is by far better than them. I think Michigan has looked better than them. But again, up until last year, Ohio State, whether it's Urban Meyer or Ryan Day, has had Jim Harbaugh's number. Mm-hmm. So that game could go either way. Tennessee, I'm not so much sold on Tennessee as as other people are. I don't think they should have been number one at all. Um, and I think the CFP committee did that on purpose for certain reasons, which we'll probably get into in a minute. But they're still, at the end of the day, they got the job done. You're you're allowed to have a bad game. You know, at the end of the day, these are still, they're still, just like we say in the pros, they're still professional athletes. They're still D1 athletes, mm-hmm. you know, who feel some type of way about Ohio State sometimes. Yeah. They, they probably were Ohio State fans. They probably grew up in Ohio or on the edge of Indiana. Wanted to go. They didn't recruit them. Now they got that chip on their shoulder. 
Uh-huh. I'll say pump the brakes. You know, let's see what what y'all do against Indiana um, in a couple days, and then go from there. Now, if y'all struggle again against Indiana at the shoe, then I will admit, yes, cause you know it's time to uh, cause for concern. Yeah, I agree. I think the 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 one thing that sometimes people don't necessarily evaluate is when you're so dominant in a conference for so long, you get everybody's best game. Like, so beating Ohio State would have been Northwestern's national championship. They're probably not, go- they're not going to a bowl game. They're not going to be bowl eligible unless they get lucky somehow, but they're not going to qualify by enough wins. But we've seen like a five-win team um, and I think at this point they can't win five games, but we've seen a five win team get in bowl games due to under other circumstances. But you, you, even when you get everybody's best game, I do understand that. I've seen it. I've seen teams that have no business being on the same field as us. When we won the national championship, we had some struggles that year. I mean, we lost our first game of the season. Granted, circumstance was we went into the game with a quarterback we weren't expecting to play at all. Um, at all that season, but still you do get everybody's best game. Beating Ohio state is a statement game, no matter who you are, especially in the big 10, because if you're not a national championship contender, then the best thing you could do is, or or a playoff contender, the best thing you could do is ruin playoff hopes, which is what teams look to do when playing against Ohio state. When we come to their town, it's a sellout game. They come to our town. It's a sellout game. We go there, it gets hostile. So I do understand that. Um, but even still, it's okay. I, I still feel like it's okay for me to be dissatisfied because, like I said, we have not seen their ceiling yet. And that's kind of what everyone is holding on to is like we and it's it could be a terrible thing up to this point, or it could be a very scary thing for the rest of the country if you're like, man, Ohio State's undefeated, has had moments of dominance. They dominated Penn State for six minutes. That six minutes turned it into a 24-point game. At one point, and then Penn State ends up scoring. We knew the game was over. We didn't really play tough defense. But for those six minutes, we're absolutely dominant. For the last three minutes of the third quarter and the first nine minutes of the fourth quarter, Ohio State completely dominated Iowa, turned it around, and we're up 40 points. So I get, like, you've seen the flashes, but at your best, can you do that from start to finish and maybe have a couple dry moments, a couple dry drives in a game as opposed to the first three quarters were horrible and we're hoping, yes, you could find a way to win, but event that works when you're 10 times better than the team you play. That doesn't work when you put a product on the field that's either just as good as you or it's going to take your absolute best to beat them because they're better than you, which means you're going to have to cause them. You got to play A-plus and cause them to play B-plus, which is what I think we're looking at with Georgia right now. And Georgia had a couple stinkers against Missouri, almost lost. Took forever to pull away from Kent State. I mean, it literally was down into the fourth quarter. You thought their starters wouldn't play the second half. And their celebrated touchdowns in the fourth quarter to finally, like, get the monkey off their back that this game is over. So, yes, everybody has had bad games. But the deeper you get into the season, the better you are supposed to look because national championship contenders, playoff contenders are supposed to be rolling right now. And I think we still have so many questions with Ohio State, which is my biggest fear. So, Speaking of, I, th- I feel like I've gotten some stuff off my chest with Ohio State. So Glad we're going to move therapy. Yeah, you, you kind of were my therapist for this. So we're going to move to the Pac-12, which has everything to do with you. And it'll 
talking about the Pac-12 will roll right into essentially the last thing I want to talk about was there's a couple college football playoff theories um, before we close out the show. It's not going to be a long one, but the Pac-12, the biggest weekend for the Pac-12 is next weekend. USC plays UCLA, Oregon plays Utah. That essentially knocks off one of USC and UCLA and pretty much determines in that game, the winner of that game is going to play in the Pac-12 championship because I think, what, USC in their last week plays Notre Dame. So that has no input. They could lose that game and still only and still be a one-loss Pac-12 team, which would put them, uh, they'd be a one-loss in the Pac-12, which would put them in. And Oregon plays Utah. That's not going to be an easy game. Oregon has Washington this week. Um, they got them this coming week, which is not going to be an easy game. But I'm looking at next weekend as the telling factor of the Pac-12. And after next week, going into rivalry week, I think the committee could tell us a lot more than what they're telling us right now about they about how they feel about the Pac-12. If other teams continue the trajectory that we expect them to be, if TCU still undefeated, which I'll talk a little bit about that because they should be nervous this year or this week. Um, but Oregon has it tough because they do play Washington this week. And I'm not saying Washington is a great team, but what I will say is Washington is not a rollover. They had a couple hiccups in the middle of the season and they're, and they're getting back playing good. They got a quality quarterback back there. It's in Oregon though. So they do have an opportunity. But when you look at the Pac-12, these next two weeks are very telling for everyone and, and the playoff committee is going to be watching the Pac-12 probably closer than anybody because I think that's the one conference right now that's on the outside looking in. So you being a USC fan, how are you feeling about the Pac-12 and these performances over the next two weeks? Because this is a this could be an end-all, be-all because a lot of y'all's rivalry weeks are like USC plays out of conference, Oregon plays Oregon State, like that, that should be a blow-over win. Um, I'm not even sure who UCLA plays for rivalry week. Uh, I think I feel like this USC UCLA game is really more of a rivalry, but USC plays Notre Dame. So over these next two weeks, what are you looking at with the Pac-12? What are you expecting? What do you hope to happen? I know what you hope to happen, but what are you expecting and what are you paying attention to over these next two weeks? Just looking to see if somebody can run the table because that's what's going to take. Because if for whatever reason, let's say. UCLA beats USC, um, not this weekend. So this weekend, we have USC plays Colorado on Friday. Mm -hmm. And then UCLA plays Arizona. Oregon plays Washington this week, like you said, which I, that's going to be a very interesting game. I'm excited to watch that game. Following week, you have, like we said, UCLA and USC. If UCLA ends up beating USC, and let's say Utah beats Oregon in week 13, you're looking at Oregon against Oregon State against potentially an Oregon team that's not even in the top 10. UCLA playing, playing Cal, UCLA will most likely be in the top 10 if that's what happens. USC playing Notre Dame, neither of those would be in the top 10. You have Utah, who's who would be a top 10 team playing Colorado. In order for the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff, just one team, which we can all agree that's all that's going to get in. One of these teams needs to run the table, mm -hmm. whether it be Oregon, UCLA, USC. Obviously, I hope it's USC. Um, you know that that goes without saying. But just looking as a as a football fan and as a college football fan, looking at what 
the college football playoff committee has told us one of these teams needs to run the table. And even then, depending on what happens with conferences like the SEC, that still may not even be enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I so when I look at the Pac-12, here's my theory is the best bet is that USC is the team that runs the table. Um, branding matters. Uh, the committee has told us up to this point, branding matters. USC, no matter what what we want to say, you know, some I don't hate USC. Um, it's LA. It's Lincoln Riley. It's Caleb Williams. It's a high-powered offense. It's a team worth turning on your TV. They're the team who has not played anybody. They'll have played UCLA, but they have not played anybody that's one through five, one through six. Oregon has. Oregon got pummeled by Georgia. I don't think the committee is not thinking about it. They said they're factoring everything, but they are having these. They don't want to tell us everything that goes on in these meetings because you want parity. You want content being created on the side of this. You want to give, you bring it on Tuesday night. So you want Paul, if you're, especially because this is by ESPN. So you want Paul Feinbaum to be guest on all these shows. You want him to talk about it on his show. Like you want content to go. So if we all know on Tuesday night that there's no theories and Paul Feinbaum can't give us some insight or, or can't go on shows and tell us what, what they could be thinking, or I'm not sure what they're thinking, but based on my educated opinion of being around a lot of these conversations, this is what's being said then it makes it pointless to even talk about it after Tuesday night because they give us flat out everything that's being talked about in the room. And so guys like you and me, like our opinion doesn't even matter because it's like, well, the you can say what you want. The committee laid it out in front of you exactly what's going on behind closed doors. So there's no point in having theories about it, but they don't. And it's for reasons like this. So we could get on here and talk about it. And I think we're seeing branding as ma branding matters right now. What's on the side of your helmet matters. And I think that Trojan on the side of the helmet if they run the table, will hold a lot of a lot of weight, especially when you look at a one-loss team. You know they lost in a shootout, essentially a, an, an all-time great. I won't even say all-time great, but one of the better games, if not the best game of the season um, this year, to go along with Alabama and Tennessee. But because that's SEC teams duking it out, that'll be the hey, that was the best game of the season. That was the game of the year. But that Utah USC did not disappoint at all. It was a shootout to the very end. Um, Utah's a good team. They coughed up one, having to travel to the Swamp in week one, which can be tough, especially going from the West Coast to East Coast. The Swamp at night is not an easy environment. The weather conditions is a lot different in, in Florida in early September than it is in Utah in early September. I can easily attest to that. And it's more North Florida, and it's not called the Swamp for no reason. Um, right. But I, I'm looking at it. I think... It, I, I really think the Pac-12, unless Oregon just dominates and dominates Washington this week, dominates Oregon State, which I expect to happen, dominates in the Pac-12 championship, and I mean like almost like 17 to 21 points at the very least to kind of just, you know what, everybody they played who was anything of adequately good, which would be USC or UCLA or Washington this week, and they just made them look like they don't belong on the field with them for any moment. I think Oregon could get in, but I don't think I think USC is the key. I think this is the key. I think this is who the Pac-12, outside of being fans of the Pac-12, but I think like if you're the Pac-12 commissioner, I think you're looking and you're like, USC is the team I want to run the table because I think that's the team that's going to give us the best opportunity to be to be represented 
um, in the college football playoffs. Do you think anything different? Like, do you think it kind of more so rides? I think the whole world would rather see USC just because it's Lincoln Riley. It's Caleb Williams. There's something to put on TV. It's something to sell. And it sells the LA market in the college football playoffs with even the potential. The, the, the national championship is in LA. Like, even the potential of USC getting the right matchup and going to the national championship. You don't think the whole world wouldn't want to see, we'll say, USC versus Ohio State in the national championship in L.A. when USC is going to be joining the Big Ten in two years? Like, that would, bro, that would create so much parity, and that would start a brand-new rivalry, which I think is going to start once USC goes to the Big Ten anyway. I think USC and Ohio State will be the, the next Ohio State-Michigan. I think when all three of those teams play, I think it'll be the biggest of all big deals. But I, I think it rides on USC. It, it definitely does. Uh, I think a big thing that the committee is probably going to be looking at is the fact that Oregon has already played Georgia and it, it was not pretty. So they, I think they're really pulling for SC to kind of run the table and then to be dominant in these next three games, next four games, including the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game, you know, should we make it that far? Uh, they're really looking for, for this team to dominate because I think a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing what that SC defense could do against a team like Georgia. You know, it, it it may not end up being pretty, but just the fact with, with SC going to the big 12 or the big 10 in a couple of years, you have to look at how that team is going to be matched up against certain defenses, mm-hmm. you know, and if it does, does end up being an SC Ohio state matchup in the national championship game or an SC Michigan matchup, you're you're getting you're getting a look. You're getting a preview on what that deep, that offense can do against the defense. Because again, that's the biggest not why a lot of people think UCLA and USC might not succeed in the Big Ten is because in the Big Ten y'all believe in defense. Clearly, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley does not believe in defense. That's why we're letting Arizona and Cal score thirty five a game against us. But it is going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Again, I think it's going to obviously depend on the teams ahead of all of us. You got LSU in the middle, Tennessee, TCU, obviously, and then you got top three, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. How those games play out, how the rest of the season plays out for them is going to is going to weigh very heavy on what happens with the Pac-12, regardless of what team ends up running the table, if any of them do. Yeah, um, 100%. And so what you said is it all plays out. Leads me into the college football playoff, and, and this will be last before we close out. But this, the college football playoff theories, I know you have a couple easily with being feeling like I, I would understand if you feel like you're a fan of a team of a conference who's on the outside looking in and doesn't control their own destiny. Um, but my biggest theory, uh, I'll, I'll play it f- flat out. What the committee told us this week, um, based on these rankings, is that Tennessee right now, if the college football playoff, if Ohio State played Michigan Saturday, Tennessee gets in. Once one of those teams lose, that's what they're waiting on. Tennessee gets back in and probably plays Georgia and gets the number four spot so that we don't have an SEC championship or SEC matchup in the national championship, but we still get the rematch. It's You can hype it back up again. Two SEC teams duking it out. A high-powered office at Tennessee, who I know looked very minute against Georgia and pretty much got dominated from start to finish of that game. I think Georgia could have won by 30 couple hiccups, couple mistakes is what kept Tennessee even alive to feel like they had an opportunity at any point late in the game to win. But I think what the committee is telling you by putting Tennessee at five, 
even after getting dominated, is that we still feel like that one loss, if they run the table, what you would expect Tennessee to do from here on out, their, their rivalry week game, they won't play in the SEC championship, which protects them from another loss against a team stepping on the field that could be better than them, especially let's say they were to play Georgia. They were on the opposite side and were to play Georgia. They'd be playing Georgia on the road again. It'd be the, the, the SEC championship is in Atlanta. So that's a home game for Georgia if they are playing in the SEC championship. Tennessee will not have that. So they have an opportunity to finish at 11 and 1. And I think they will value Tennessee at 11 and 1 non conference champ more than they would Ohio State or Michigan as an 11 1 non conference champ. And so I think for me, Tennessee being at five right now, I don't think they should be number 10 or nothing crazy like that. But putting them at five without really the possibility of winning the conference tells me that they're just waiting on the loser of Ohio State, Michigan to be one of the final four teams, especially going into that conference championship week. I think you'll see Tennessee at four and it'll take a valiant effort from a team like Oregon or USC if that's the matchup, which I expect that to be the Pac-12 matchup. It would take probably a very dominant win or an all-time great game between those two that shows us that, A, in a big environment when, when all the chips are on the table, both of these teams can play elite and somebody has to win, somebody has to lose, and will reward the winner. So I think Tennessee, as of right now, if I was to say it, Tennessee's a lot to get in the playoffs unless some help happens. And, and I don't know if that help can happen. So when it comes to like what the committee has told you after this week's ranking, what were some of your theories? Like, what did you come up with? They are doing whatever they can in their power to get multiple SEC teams in the playoff. Yes. Uh, we, yes. We've seen it since the start, since 2014. The bias, the biases of the college football playoff committee and the SEC. You drop Tennessee four, which again, I mean, you, you rank number one. You lose to the third team in the country. You know, I, I wouldn't expect you to drop that far either. But with with them putting LSU as high as they did in the in the in the rankings before the Alabama game, helped them to jump up to seven. Because I think last week the the AP had them at like fifteen. Yep. Um, if they rank them right there in 13, 14, 15 range, they're they're not making a jump all the way to seven. And right now, as of right now, I believe, let me verify. Yep. As of right now, if the season ended today, it'd be a LSU and Georgia um, SEC championship game. I think Georgia has, they have Mississippi this week, Kentucky next week, and then Georgia Tech. I don't expect them to lose any of those games, yeah. really. Yeah, me either. The one they could possibly lose a Kentucky game. Um, but again, I don't see that happening. So Tennessee's not completely out of it to play. Mathematically speaking, they're not out of it to play in the SEC title game. But yeah, if they if they handle business the next three weeks, um, TCU, if TCU stumbles, if the Pac-12 beats itself up leading up to the uh, Pac-12 championship game, and even if LSU ends up beating Georgia in, in the SEC title game, and then whatever happens with Ohio State, Michigan, we can assume one of those, whoever loser of that game is out. We could be looking at legitimately three SEC teams. And that's what the and that's what the committee wants. That's what I've always felt they wanted. That's why I feel they put Tennessee at one to begin with. That's why they put LSU so high to begin with. And that's why Alabama only dropped three spots to nine. Because I'm sure if the committee could, they will find a way to jump Alabama up, you know, as far as they possibly can in the rankings. 
but before it all ends. But that that's honestly what I see is I see the the committee has set themselves up that if chaos and if chaos happens in the next three weeks, we could be looking at a possibly Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU all being in the playoff. And I I'm so because I was gonna hit on that. And I'm glad, like, you know, we're on the same wavelength because that was where I was going next is I don't even know if it'll take the Pac-12 to beat each other up. I think if they're all close games, even if Oregon, we'll, we'll just, we'll say for for brand's sake to, to take away the brand argument, if Oregon wins, ooh, they're still, they're a big brand, but they're not. A SEC brand of LSU or Georgia, or even when Tennessee's great. Look how exciting the season has been. Tennessee's great. Look at the get the environment in Neyland when they played Alabama. Like when Tennessee's great, they get the SEC. You know, they get the SEC nod, and rightfully so. I think Tennessee, when they were ranked number one, I think that's where you and me disagree. I think based on their schedule, they played. I think they deserve to be number one and proven to be knocked off. They played. They they beat Florida. They beat Pitt when Pitt was ranked. They beat LSU. You know, they they had some good wins. They they smacked Kentucky going into that Georgia game. So, you know, I think well, they smacked Kentucky and then played like Tennessee Chattanooga or something, and then was able to play uh Georgia. But I think they did everything they needed to do. Everybody was in the right positions each week. It was always favorable for as long as Tennessee keeps rolling, their strength of schedule was right. But I could see a world where if Oregon's a one-loss Pac-12 champion but didn't dominate didn't play usc instead played ucla i think what what the pac-12 wants is is usc versus oregon because if it's oregon versus ucla oregon's already beat them 45 to 30 and so if they beat them twice i still think if they beat them twice i don't think it'll be very telling it'll be expected oregon looked pretty dominant against ucla one by 15 scored a whole bunch of points. So I don't think dominating UCLA again, even if they did it worse, would would wow the committee. And if LSU is, wins in, let's say, a, beats Georgia the way they beat Alabama, overtime or late in the fourth quarter, go for two, we're going for it all, it's the SEC championship and wins that game, you're not going to discount Georgia for losing because now this is a team that LSU, who beat Alabama and beat Georgia, have strong enough wins at that point to get in. Got smacked by Tennessee, which is where you, you okay, so LSU and Georgia are in, and now you're like, well, Tennessee, LSU beat Alabama and Georgia. Tennessee lost to Georgia, but beat Alabama and smacked LSU. Tennessee got to be one of the four best teams in the country. I can see the committee coming to that and then basically putting the undefeated Big 12, I mean, Big 10 champion, because I assume if it's Ohio State or Michigan, they go on to win the Big 10, they remain undefeated. All that matters within that is if TCU loses to Texas this week. Because if TCU was to have a loss on their schedule, to me, it's Texas this week. I think that's the the game. I think the committee hopes TCU drops this game. I think there's a real opportunity that they could. Texas is not, don't let the, don't let the three losses throw you all the way off as far as, let's factor in, Quinn Ewers missed a couple of those games, got hurt in the Alabama game where they should have won. So I think they're hoping that TCU drops because drops this game because now it does create chaos. It does leave room for that scenario going into next week. Now we get now we don't know what the committee will do if everybody else handles business and TCU lost. Like, okay, they're probably going to give them a Clemson type drop, but how are they going to value LSU? Is LSU sitting at five while Tennessee jumps in at four? 
and we're waiting as LSU's a lock in as long as they win the SEC championship. So with you saying that, that was just really my other theory. Is there anything else um, before we close out here? Is there anything else that really caught your eye or that, that was really it? That was really it. That, that's literally the first thing I thought of when I saw the initial rankings. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, it, the Texas TCU matchup this weekend is going to be big because as of right now, those are the top two teams in the Big 12. That's a Big 12 championship game as well. I think if if Texas loses, you're looking at Baylor moves up into that three spot because that'll drop Texas to four and three in the in the conference. And assuming Baylor holds whoever they're playing, um, but if they lose and Kansas State wins, that moves them into the two spot. If Texas ends up winning, that'll still leave the same order. TCU will still stay at one. They'll be six and one at the conference, and Texas will be five and two. And then we'll have a rematch in a, in a couple of weeks in the Big 12 championship game, which I don't think TCU can overcome a loss to Texas. And then even if they do beat, turn around and beat Texas again in a couple of weeks. Again, it's all going to come down to what happens with TCU. If they can hold serve throughout the, the rest of the season, I think it won't be too much unless they look really bad in one of their next three games. If you know, Maybe if they do look bad against Iowa State in that last mm-hmm. game, you know, it, it's TCU holds a lot of weight in, in what's going to happen with the final college playoff rankings. Yeah, and TCU losing this game against Texas could really – project the chaos that we think could happen. I think if TCU holds stat, they win. Obviously, I think they're in. If they're undefeated Big 12 champs, there's not really... I mean, if you have an undefeated SEC champ, an undefeated Big 10 champ, and an undefeated Big 12 champ, I think the fourth spot is up for grabs, but I don't think you move an undefeated Big 12 champ who played a month straight of ranked opponents, beat Texas. I don't think you could justify winning all your games and winning your conference, being a power five team and be like, yeah, you still can't get in. We still value Tennessee. I think you have to, Hey, listen, if I go with no hiccups as far, and I mean losing, yeah, you didn't like that. We played from behind, but guess what? Playing from behind and winning every game at the end of the day, that's when a win is a win. It has to matter at some point. TCU is not in the sec, so they can't schedule Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU on their schedule in the same season. So it's one of those, you have to value the conference. And if they are the undefeated big 12 champs, I think that creates less parity because now we're looking at Tennessee and probably if George, like I said, if all three of those are undefeated, we're looking at the argument is Tennessee and the winner of the PAC 12. Like now we're just like who gets in USC or Tennessee or USC. I mean, or Oregon or Tennessee, whoever wins that now it's like, okay, it's up for discussion. It could go either way. I probably record, I probably reward the one loss conference champ. Also, with seeing that I've already seen Tennessee play one of these teams in the top three. So I reward the conference champ. I think winning your conference being a power five has to matter, especially when you're only one loss compared to a one loss team that did not win their conference. And we've seen the whole two loss thing play out before, too, where Penn State was a two loss Big Ten champ, beat Ohio State, but Ohio State got rewarded to go to the playoffs. I didn't think we should have went. And rightfully so, we turned around and got smacked 30-0 to zero by Clemson. And I was like, this is why we didn't deserve to go. We couldn't beat this Penn State team. Penn State should have got in or someone else should have got in. We should have been playing in the Rose Bowl, um, however you want to look at it. So before we go, bro, just let everybody know where they can follow you and any projects you got coming up. Y'all already know where you can find me, FNC Pod on Twitter, Football and Show Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, tomorrow night, doing commanders in the chat with my guy, Couch Coach Live, and we previewing the Monday night game. Um, 
Don't think we're going to be doing a post-game show Monday night. Um, don't have anything big coming up. Uh, once I move back down to San Diego, I get everything set up. Going to start prepping for draft coverage. Um, and then hopefully able to do another off-the-ball draft show. Uh, it'll be our third in a row. Those are always, always a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just, just follow me on social media. Yeah, 100%. As always, you can follow me at Mo underscore Cheese 15. If you're a new listener, I appreciate you. If you're a returning listener, I appreciate you as well. Make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com. And also, be sure to go subscribe, like, um, and listen to Field Stormers, the other podcast I host, your weekly college football podcast, the official college football podcast of Off The Ball Network. And on that note, we will see you next episode where I will be talking some NBA.